0: Our guest this week is Marla Cholich, a self-storage owner since 2010 and a broker with Marcus Milichap with extensive knowledge in self-storage ownership, management, and consulting. Since 2016, Marla has been facilitating the buying and selling of self- self-storage facilities across Missouri and the West. Marla is a partner in the Williams Storage Group with Ann Williams Blackwell, which has sold over $60 million of storage in 2019 alone. We talked to Marla about the story of how she bought her first self-storage facility fresh off giving birth to her daughter, her journey into becoming a self-storage broker, and some fantastic advice about how prospective buyers of self-storage can build relationships with owners and brokers. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer, a free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great. But we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage, on the active side, on the passive side, whatever your level of interest, we want to talk to you. There's no pitch here. We're not selling a coaching program. This is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage. Also, if you're a current self-storage owner, we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show. If all that sounds like something you'd be interested in, go to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you.
1: All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road to family freedom.
0: Well, Marla Cholich, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom.
1: Thank you, Neil.
0: It's good to see your <laughs> face. You know, uh, we've we've known each other several years now, uh, uh, and um, we've we've never done a video chat. We've always just talked on the phone. Uh, yeah. Although we've you know we've got to see each other here and there, but this is how we do it these days. You know. <laughs> yes,
1: sir. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. Thank God for technology.
0: Yeah. So you are, as I mentioned in your intro, you are uh, a self-storage owner, but you're also a self-storage broker. And I love your story that I've heard many times about how you found your first facility. Could you tell that story for our audience?
1: Absolutely. So my journey with storage starts Like many of us who come into real estate, the precipice, Neil, is we have a big why. And uh, uh, many of us come into this business needing to make some additional money. Uh, So I uh, uh, was literally dragged to a Scott Myers conference back in 2011 by my husband, Uh, We had a, our second child was born and um, three weeks prior to this event in St. Louis. And we had found out two days before the uh, Scott Myers uh, Storage Academy that our child was deaf. So as many of your listeners know, men and women uh, deal with, um, uh, trauma differently. And so my man decided that the best thing I should do in this situation is to go through a two day academy on learning how to buy storage facilities. So are you still, are
0: you still married to this man?
1: Yeah. Uh, there was, there was a, there was definitely a, a, let's just say an argument at the time and oh, I had just had a C-section and I was 40 pounds overweight. So not my finest. I did attend this seminar and, uh, at the time my husband and I had owned just a, a few single family homes. So we had, we had dipped our toes into investing. And so it was during this conference that I learned about cap rates and pro forma and cash on cash return. And these were all new concepts to me at the time, this is 2011. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Scott Myers is, he is probably the first person to host academies and trainings on, in the storage industry. And um, his his uh, group still does this. Uh, and, uh, and so my husband and I had chosen to hire a mentor. And um, the mentor that we hired, uh, her name uh, is Ann Williams. And uh, she uh, would give us advice on this is what you need to do to build a database. You need to ask owners. If you want to buy a facility, these are some steps you need to go through. So uh, timeline, this is, uh, I believe, uh, March of 2011. And when I say I knocked on doors for the next few months and literally knocked on doors, introduced myself to storage owners. Hey, I'm Marla. You want to sell me your facility? And it was literally like that. Uh, I did send out letters. Uh, I personally never had much luck with that. Uh, But after a lot of uh pave pounding and um, asking anybody and their brother uh, who was at all connected to storage if they would sell me their facility i finally bought one and uh, this was in uh, 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 we uh, we bought it officially in January of 2012 so you know I think you and i've had this conversation Neil and i've had this conversation with lots of folks uh storage assets even in 2011 and 12 were assets that you know on the heels of the recession at that time they are, they were then, and they are now, uh, assets that typically, once people have them, they keep them because they're they're bought appropriately, and if they're managed fairly well, they tend to be good assets. So it was very hard for me to find a storage facility that someone was willing to sell me and I could afford. So how did I get the money? Uh, I didn't have any money. Uh, we, uh, I mean, not the kind of big money it takes to buy a business. So. Uh, our house was paid for. We had been pretty conservative in that respect. And my husband and I literally leveraged our home with our babies. And I mean, we were all in. Leveraged our home, pulled out some credit cards, borrowed money from fr- from family, and just pulled whatever we could get together to buy this thing. Uh, we paid, for, for, the, for those of you who are listening to this, please don't laugh, but I paid $750,000 for a 20,000 square foot facility. At the time, it was a five cap and in 2012. So translation, my mentor tried to talk me out of buying it. I paid too much for it. Um, but I will say this, I will say this. So on paper, um, and if I was representing you, Neil, I probably would have told you not to buy it because on paper it was I, I overpaid. We owned the property up into um last year. We sold it um in 2019, December of 2019. So um uh, we raised rents, uh, we added a uh, emergency tower to it, um, and probably would still own the facility today. Um, uh, if uh, it was in a location of St. Louis, um, that was becoming more troublesome and, um, uh, uh, more crime. And also our tax burden was so hard and, um, we, we just couldn't keep up with it. So, um, you know, again, uh, newbie made a lot of newbie mistakes. Um, and, uh, I did have a great mentor and to her credit, uh, she uh, uh, she gave us a lot of great advice. And to this very day, I remember one of the pieces of advice she gave us was, um, the former owner, when we bought the facility, he was doing deposits. And she said, why do you need to do deposits? Do admin fees. I'm like, well, what's that? And she said, I said, isn't it the same? It's still the same 20 bucks, right? Or I think it was $10 at the time. No, a deposit, you have to pay that back. That's not really cash flow. So I swim in these waters today all the time. And so this was 2012. We bought the facility in 2016. I stayed in contact with this woman, my mentor, Ann Williams, and uh, she would call me about once a year and... she wanted me to get my, my license, my real estate license. And she wanted me to join her team. And, um, you know, by this time I have three children, life is very full. See the kid art in the back guys. You can, you can see, you know, the Picassos for my precious darlings. Um, so I've been, I've been with her now. So she was, uh, training me back in 2011, teaching just an ignorant newbie about commercial real estate. I knew nothing. And so since 2016, we have, um, joined forces. And um, uh, last year, our, our team sold $60 million worth of storage. And so I am a commercial real estate agent now with Marcus and Millichap and i based out of St. Louis. And so um, my 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 area that I cover is um, uh, Missouri, Illinois, typically. Um, and between my partner and me and, and another agent on our team, we cover the Midwest and the Southeast and the storage asset class.
0: Okay. So a lot to unpack there. Um, um, there's a lot there no no that's all good uh so you so you spent uh, a great deal of time you literally just door knocked. you went as I recall you said you went to every self storage association meeting you could go to and walked up to every owner that you could find and say hi I'm Marla yes. cholich do you want to sell me your, your facility is that that's basically that's literally what you do okay so how, how many you know what was your uh, what was your roi what your or your, your kPI how many how many uh how many people do you think you asked? before you finally uh, got the one that you got.
1: great question, Neil. I'm going to have to dig back into the recesses of my brain for that. Between the letters and the in-persons and the knocking on doors, I mean, a good five to 600 people. I mean, at least, I I, I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of hustling. It really was. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that as you're asking me that, this question, I'm thinking about something. I don't care if you're looking to buy a storage facility. I don't care if you're looking to broker a storage facility. There's a lot of no's you got to swim through, like just know all over the place, right? And, you know, I was telling somebody this the other day, uh, I I have found something to be true with the folks in this business who are, you know, vendors, brokers, owners, who are really successful in this business. They've learned how to um, handle no and just move forward. So...
0: Well, I, um, in another life, I was an actor and you have to grow uh, what they call rhino skin, which is, you know, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta just sort of think about it as every no that you get is closer to a yes that you're eventually going to get. And it's just a numbers game at the end of the day. Uh, And it's just, and it's with storage or with any sort of real estate, it's just about being there and being top of mind when that owner does finally decide, yeah, I think I'm done. I want to sell, uh, and yeah. here I've got Marla's number. I'm going to call Marla because yeah. I, yeah. I, okay. I, I liked her. She was nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two, there's two schools of thought that I've heard recently in regards to searching for uh storage and, and marketing directly to owners. And one, um, is the, is very much the shotgun approach, which is literally buying a list of 2000 facilities and, and sending them mailers all the time. And then following up, you know, following up with phone calls uh and that's very much i think the way a lot of people do it and the other one that i've heard recent uh is more focused on a market and focus on like literally digging in to what you regard as a good market <laughs> and finding facilities in that market where there's opportunity and then just building re- just being relentless about building relationships with those owners um, yeah. i've i've heard it described as sort of one is is um one is fishing from the shore. And the other one is getting in the stream and like a bear and trying to grab the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, cause you, I mean, you, I know you as a broker, you send out mailers, you're constantly, yep. you've constantly got to be marketing, you know, and you're basically doing what most, um, aspiring self-storage owners are doing, which is sending out mailers. You're making phone calls. You were an owner as well. I, every once in a while hear from owners that I get 12 pieces of mail a week, at least, uh, from people wanting to buy my facility. And most of them just go in, most of them just go into the circular file. I guess my question is, do you have a feel for what works better?
1: Yeah. And, 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 and and let, let's, let's call it what it is. This is very time consuming. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know the telephone weighs a thousand pounds, but uh, there is nothing that replaces calling somebody—good old-fashioned ma Bell. Um, You're correct. I mean, I—I'm I, I, thinking of some owners in my market that, um, Marla, we 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 get so many letters from so many people, and um, you know, we keep a one. This one gentleman, we keep a file. We keep a file. Like they're there, they're in a file. But do you know how big that file is, Marla? I mean, I mean, you know, they're not lying. They get mailers all the time. But what they're probably not getting is hey mr owner my name is Neil and you know I just want to tell you um I, I you know however you want to open this conversation uh I, I've been by your facility many times I think it's very attractive you know however you want to lead it with a would you like to sell it to me or you can just go for the kill or introduce yourself in person to this person um, you know a lot of really big facilities now the owners are not necessarily the managers um so the other question is what's your budget Who's your audience. Who are you looking to? Um, and I think back in 2011, 12, when I was doing this, it was more common to find owners, at least in my market, who were managing their own facilities. Um, that's that's changing rapidly. Um, so you know, the storage management world is getting larger. So um, you know, these folks are more elusive to find. You have to really be creative in finding them. Um, so, uh, but I would say you're right. It's it's, it's it, it mentally, if you can think about. And I know we've talked about this. This is going to take me at least a year. It may take me two or three. And if you think about it that way, then you're not setting yourself up for failure. Um, I I listed a a property this week, um, 90,000 square feet um, in the Kansas City market. The first time I called the owners was four years ago. So this don't happen overnight, long-term relationships.
0: How many times would you say you called that owner over that four years?
1: Uh, At least um, uh, once I saw him and or called him at least uh, three to four times a year. And, you know, and also you got to be able to gauge folks. If they tell you I'm not interested in selling right now, that's fine. You respect that. Right. Um, And um, it everyone's at a different place I think you know whether it's storage or you're you're selling cars there is really something to be said about um, emotional intelligence and social intelligence and reading people and um, you know I think that's there's an art here on um, you know whether it's getting listings or buying properties it's you know really understanding that in many cases especially with a kind of a general generational shift going on Neil we've got you know baby boomers selling these assets these are the babies that they have developed over maybe decades. And so uh, this is a huge decision. Huge. And I when I'm in this business, I totally I respect the fact that I have been honored to be the person on the the back end of this 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 family business uh, in many cases. So I don't take that lightly.
0: No. Well and it is, you know, you come up against all sorts of different situations, you know, owners, you know, who are just getting old and they want to retire and the kids don't want to take over the business. You run across, uh, owners who've already passed away and the kids have taken it over and run it in ground. And, uh, we had a, you know, we've come across a facility, um, where, you know, the widow, you know, the widow had taken it over and handed it off to her stepson and he ran it into the ground. And, um, it just, you, you never know what the situation is going to be. Um, but I think it's such a good point is that you always want to come in respectful respectfully, you know, even if it's a pretty beaten up facility, I'm not going to start the conversation, man, this place is a dump. Can I buy? Right. Right. You know, you just can't, it's just not the way you want to start the conversation. Um, you know, you got to find a a different way to come at it. Um, how would you describe the typical first conversation? You know, when you, you know, you're digging through, you, you get the number of an owner and you pick up the phone and you call them.
1: I introduce myself, and and frankly, this I love that question too. This is a very different conversation now in the land of COVID, and you know, let's let's unpack what that looks like for our industry. This is a very different. Um, you can call it a cold call, a business development call, a prospecting call. It's all the same thing, folks. I mean, it's I don't know you, and you don't know me, and I'm calling you out of the blue, and that's what this is. A year ago, it would have been much more. Hey, I'm Marlo with Marcus and Millichap. Are you familiar with our firm? You know, I'm a storage storage owner uh, or a, a broker in your market. Um, have you ever considered selling your facility? And a lot of times I would just go straight to, you know, asking them the question. Now nah, I don't want to sell it. I sell this thing or, you know, there's no way. Fine. Great. I stay in contact with them. Um, now it's a, hey, my name's Marla. Just want to introduce myself. Uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, we, my, my 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 partner and I have are going to be in your area or I'm going to be in your area area in the next couple weeks. Um, and, And can you tell I'm doing this very purposely, taking chunks of like you referred to or indicated land masses, like parts of the state that I really am going to. Would love to meet you, shake your hand, maybe buy you some coffee. Are you going to be around, Mr. Owner, you know, October the blah, blah, blah that's time consuming. But guess what? I want him to know who I am. And I want him to see, I, I want to make that connection. And he may never sell. Um, uh, and, and, and and you know, I'm making it sound like all storage owners are baby boomers in their 60s, 70s and 80s. Not true. That's changing a lot. So Mr. Owner, Miss Owner might be 35 years old um, and they may be adding to that portfolio and they may never sell. Uh, I may not be a broker by the time they're ready to sell. I don't know. So so it's really like developing that long term and more than anything, having in my mind, I want to be considered the expert in my market. And if you're thinking long-term and you know, really a, a sense of um, storage um, uh, expertise in your market specifically, then people come to trust you. Like they respect you and they respect the fact that she's not just out here trying to get listings all the time. You know, she's willing to offer us advice, she's willing to give insight into how how we can make more money. And that is, the, it, it's just old fashioned, basic business, common sense.
0: So That uh, is such yeah. a great point. Um, and if somebody is listening, I want you to rewind that and listen to what she just said, um, because it's about trying to find a way to add value before you ask for something. Uh, and so many people, you know, they're, it's immediately, you know, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Um, but if you go into it with, hey, I, I think I might be able to help you, um, you know, whether it, you know, I. I always try to. Anytime I'm at a, some sort of real estate conference, what I almost always try to do, because I'm a bit of a wallflower, uh, is be a connector. Is I meet somebody and I talk to them, and they happen to mention that you know this is what they're doing. Hey, I met somebody else, and you know do that, and just try to bring value in some way. Yeah. Um, and that's so key in real estate, in all strategies. You know, people ask you all the time, you know, how can I get into real estate? And it's like, well, find something of value that you can bring to somebody else and bring it, whether it's money, time, or exchange experience.
1: Um. Yeah. And you know, this industry has changed so much and I consider myself still a newbie. Uh, uh, You know, I'm going on about 10 years in this business, but this industry has changed so much in the past 10 years. Um, Demographically it's changed. Uh, 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 You know, entry age has changed. Um, There's just a lot. Uh, Definitely the technology has changed. Good grief. We didn't used to be cool and sexy. And I Part of me wishes that we were still like the just storage boxes on a piece of land. But now we are everybody wants us, right? From an investor perspective. And while that's that's kind of fun, the downside of that is that there's a lot of voices right now. And um, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, looking for the cheap thrill and throwing money at, you know, maybe Mr. Owner, principal to principal um, that, you know, I want to get into storage. And without the thoughtfulness first of this, this is, let's pause for a moment. Like you just mentioned, these are Assets that somebody has owned them typically for a long time, and you know, let's let's enter into that just a little bit and understand that. I promise you, Neil, even in tertiary markets of Missouri, where I work and live and am from, these owners are getting calls like crazy. That never used to happen. So, with that in mind, what is going to make a investor stand out or a prospective buyer stand out? I mean, that is, you know, that is that's just part of the COVID world. And I think also we are all very foolish. This has been a tough year for all of us in the entire country, storage or no storage. Um, I spoke to a little group the other day, very briefly, um, you know, I, I work in an office and for the largest commercial investment firm in the country, all we do is investment sales. You know, there's a roughly 2000 agents in my firm from all kinds of asset classes. Um, I can tell you comparatively from those asset classes, storage, it's like the there's a storm in a sea and we're on this tiny little island called storage, right? We're pretty secure. However, the winds and the waters are still lapping at the, the island. So we're sensing it. We're feeling the changes, whether it be from CMBS money or, you know, the market's changing. It just there's a lot of changes going on. And that is affecting everybody. Um, all, uh, all you know, ABC properties, all parts of the country. So with that in mind, it's this is not the time to, you know, my pitch in 2020 is very different than it was in 2000. So a lot more slower, a lot slower, more moderated. Um, So that
0: would be my advice. Yeah. I mean, we, we've come up against this um, in our own investing, you know, even just recently, we had the opportunity to refinance a a rental property and, and we could have, you know, refinanced 75% LTV and gotten, you know, all of our money out. um, Or they gave the, gave us the option to get a slightly lower interest rate and leave, do a 70, 70% LTV. And I went with I went with the 70% because I didn't really need the money uh, back. And I'd rather have a little bit higher cash flow and lock in a lower interest rate for 30 years um, than, you know, in, in a, let's admit it, a really uncertain environment. If that, if there's anything that you can say about right now, (laughs) it's just that it's uncertain. Uh, Anybody that tells you what they know, what's going to happen is lying. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, but if you act like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And if I can sort of think back to what's the worst that can happen and how can I manage manage the risk of that, then, you know, then a lot of, you know, you should be okay. Um, Amen. Yeah. So how are you, um, you know, in the past pre-COVID, you probably would have, you know, you would have either driven to an area and canvassed that area and met all those owners, or you would have called them and said, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. I'd love to meet you for coffee. How has that changed now? Because a lot of these Neil, owners...
1: you got some best questions. Okay.
0: Because I know, because I know now, I know that what I'm seeing is... Some of them are like, Hey, come on out and meet me. Uh, and I'm, and I'm like, I, you know, okay. You know, but in some cases it's, um, you know, we're marketing to, uh, places that are all the way across the country. I'm not real game to get on a, on a plane and travel four hours across the country right now. Um, how are you handling those kinds of that interaction?
1: I'm going to step back from that question and make this observation, uh, for many, for many reasons. Uh, I'm grateful that this pandemic did not happen 20 years ago. Um, um, and you know, uh, and one of which is technology. So we're able to have this conversation. It feels like you're in the room with me, you know you're not and you're many states away. Um, and that's, that' that I consider a silver lining of this um, year. To answer your question directly, uh, because of the technology, we do have the ability to, to introduce ourselves to owners around the country. I, I just very candidly, um, uh, I've, I've done several market valuations uh, over the past two months. I think I've done uh, at least one a week. And in every situation, I'm asking owners, hey, uh, I'm going to defer to you on this. I'm like, you tell me, You're, you know, I'm going to respect your wishes on this. What would you like to do? And this has to do with your own personal comfort level. I'm okay meeting people in person, it doesn't bother me, but the deal is what did they have to say? And I've never had somebody tell me they wanna do it on a a video call. Uh, So I think that has a lot to do with your market. We in Missouri don't have, um, we're not a hotspot in our state.
0: So It might be it might be different in somewhere like New York or Chicago, um, you know, population yes. density, Florida, maybe. I mean, Florida is a bit of a hotspot. Yeah. I mean, we're in Las Vegas. We're kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, my sister, uh, my sister was just visiting us here um, from New York City. Uh, her experience has been very, very different uh, than mm-hmm. ours. Uh, and she has a much higher level, higher threat level, I would say, um, than us. Uh, and I think, you know, and I think it just, a lot of it just comes down to population. Density. Uh, we're sure we're certainly cautious, but I think it's a, such a great point is that you know um, find out what their comfort level is. You know, obviously, if you've got an owner who's in their 80s, uh, they might have a different comfort level than someone in their 50s, uh, or they may be in their 80s and be like, "I don't care, nothing's ever killed me yet." You know, right? Uh, so you never you never know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it basically boils down to you know consider others better than yourself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So. You know, it's... Yeah. yeah, just human kindness, basically. Yes.
0: So, as a broker, often your you know your primary job is to basically manage the relationship between the buyer and the seller. Um, are there what are some ways that you try to facilitate a win win uh, for the two parties? Another
1: great question. So, I work on a national platform, the firm Marcus and Millichap. That is one of the 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 benefits of uh, having local knowledge, uh, but. Ba- ba- being able to pool uh investors from literally around the country um uh, a closing that i had uh this this summer in the middle of covid uh which and again that's to step back again from this question uh especially from i, th- I would say mid-march to june ish um, deals were getting done uh much much more slowly um and and part of that was you know i've got a deal here and again i'm waiting on the reporter part I've got a, another deal under contract that it, it it's not closed yet because we're waiting on third party reports. That that this tends to be, this has been um the slowing down of the process this year. Um and you know, everyone's working from home. Um these third party, you know, whether it, it's it, it's the environmental folks or you know, the surveyors or the appraisers, um, you know, they all have back offices too. So um a win-win. A win-win is when and we take a property to market and my client is a seller. And of course, and here, here, here's the science of this. You want to take a property to market at the highest you can, okay, within reason. But I tell investors, I tell I tell clients, sellers, um, guys, we got to go to bed with the lenders, okay? So, I mean, that's who our partner is. And it's not your lender I'm talking about, Mr. Seller. It's your buyer's lender. And if this is a shakeout with, with the buyer's lender, then we are wasting our time. So I can throw all kind of pretty numbers on a page for you and I can make you feel good. And, and we can all just have some kumbaya. And then what's going to happen, I'm going to take this property to market. And some lender is going to say that woman is crazy. Okay. So I'm going to waste your time, lose my reputation. And by the way, folks, storage newsflash is like one big fat, small town. Like everybody around the country, somehow, some way is connected to everybody. Our industry. Is large in that there's a lot of, there's billions of dollars of assets, but small in that um, you know, there's, there's a, a few major operators in the country and lots of individual operators, but we have, you know, a pretty small cachet of vendors for this industry. So, um, it's very, very, very important to me. The win-win is we get the property sold at the highest possible, but sale price is not the only barometer for success in my, in my mind in a transaction. It's shepherding that process. There's a thousand and one things that can happen and go South it during a transaction. I mean, it's incredible, right? Having somebody shepherd that process um, through that transaction is incredibly important. Um, from contract to to closing, to dealing with the title company, to those third-party reports, the negotiation process, there's a lot that can just come apart really, really quickly. So, the win for the buyer is finding that deal that, you know, and, and I think this is really important, Neil. Um, You might be paying a five and a half, five and a half, six cap, six and a half cap on in-place income, all right, on day one when you buy that property. But if I can show you, like honestly show you how you can get to, let's call it an eight cap arbitrarily to year one, and that's truly possible. And I can walk you through that. My advice to you as the buyer, Neil, don't get hung up. On the M place. Oh, but we were told never to buy in a pro forma. Okay. But if that year one is really there and your debt is so cheap, why not? Like I mean, you, I mean, if you can really walk yourself through that, that's pretty incredible. So that's where I'm finding the win-win is. And again, um, just sold a deal in the middle of Missouri um, this summer, and that's the story for both parties. As a matter of fact, they end up they become friends, the seller and the buyer. Um, they they do stuff. I mean, they, it, they've it was it was a very amicable situation. And I refer to that because I sold a six cap deal in the middle of Missouri, and people thought I was crazy. We got a buyer from Colorado who bought a property in Missouri, and he's looking at that year one, going, "Oh my gosh, Marla, there's so much here I can do." So it's fun to be part of deals like that.
0: Well, uh, it's such an important thing that you mentioned there, and and again, uh, I'm going to say this again. If you if you you should rewind and listen to what Marla just said, is that the bank is is the partner, and and often you know you know this uh, when you're talking to a seller and they start talking about you know how much money. they make, you know, I mean, this is a commercial asset. It's going to be valued based on the amount of money it made. It's revenue minus expenses, you know, equals it's NOI divided by the cap rate. And a lot of, a lot of sellers don't know that. Um, it's amazing that they don't, but they don't. Uh, and then when you come to them and say, all right, you know, uh, how much money you're making and they go, well, you know, this is a cash business, you know? You, oh, I've it, never, I've never been told that, Neil. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and you go, okay. Um, so I would love to pay you $2 million for your facility that you say makes, uh, you know, uh, $200,000 uh, a year at a 10 cap, but right. you're only showing a hundred thousand and I'm eventually, and I don't have $2 million cash and I'm going to have to go to a bank and the bank is going to want to see your cash tax returns for the last two or three years. And they're going to base how much money they're going to loan me on that. Uh, so what (laughs) happens when you, when you come, you know, when you are loggerheads with a seller who's saying my facility is worth this and the bank is going, no way.
1: Well, great question, and um, I could be wrong, um, but I, I feel like you're maybe speaking from experience here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I never, I never do that on my podcast. I never week, ask week, questions week. that are, yeah.
1: Yes. Um. So I think this is the this is really the importance of having these hard conversations. Um. And these are hard conversations, by the way. Okay. Um. Having these hard conversations with owners, and this is where, by the way, these are hard conversations. They're not fun to have, but this is where brokers that are doing their job. Okay. Really bring value. Mr. Owner... I know this is your baby. I get it. We can't sell this at 2 million right now. Well, I don't understand. And you know, whatever. This is when a market valuation on a property brings so much value to that owner. Um, this has happened to me many, 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 many times. Mr. Owner, Miss Owner, that your property may be worth, I think we could get it to one seven, one, one six. Um, but uh, oh, but you don't understand, Marla. We get da 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 Okay, why isn't that part of your tax returns? well now
0: <laughs> i don't like i don't like giving you know i don't like giving money to the government I'm like well neither do i right. but <laughs> right
1: right and so then it is a conversation of that's fine what that's your business yeah. okay yeah. I, I don't really i really don't care but let's change that over this next year so that your two t- 2020 tax returns are going to be reflective of true income let's have this conversation again next year and again like you just said and let's hope and pray that interest rates are still the same there's a lot of ifs there right but uh, all things being equal if everything is exactly in the financial world like it is right now then let's 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 let's, let's revisit this in 6 months but you got some homework mr owner mr and Miss owner have to to value my opinion and respect me enough and my opinion enough to do what i'm asking them to do now the the cheap and easy is sure let's take it to market Mm-mm, no no i will say though in this environment there is a lot of aggression with with buyers so you know that this is a sort of a nuanced conversation um, um, you know, let's say that I I did take that property to market at two million. I have to though be very 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 clear about that in place income. And uh, you know, even in this great market, you know, I I don't know if I could present a a, a property to market uh, a, a three cap. You know, I mean, so you got to keep your integrity. You want to be pragmatic, but keep your integrity at the same time. So did I answer that question?
0: Yes, you sure.
1: did. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's shift over to buyers a little bit. You know, you you deal with buyers all the time. How? What is a good way for, you know, what's a, what is a, a good buyer broker relationship look like?
1: You know, uh, I, I think I ask a lot of questions. Um, and, um, so if I didn't know you and if you were to call me about one of my listings, okay. Um, first of all, uh, my perspective is thank you for calling me. I'm honored that you would call me. I think that that is really important. And yes, uh, the ratio between, uh, buyers and sellers, there's a heck of a lot more buyers out there. I mean, they're everywhere, okay? But I need to qualify these folks because there's a lot of folks out there that they're they're brand new to storage. And I am, and as, as a broker, time is so of the essence for all of us in real estate, but I don't get paid until that deal goes to the closing table, okay? So I think it's really important for buyers to understand something right now. And I'm gonna say this as kindly and gently as possible. Don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> And um and what is what does that mean? It, it means, you know, don't don't say, hey, tell me about your property. Um, Mr. Investor, are you working with a lender? No, no, uh, what what? Well, if you're not working with a lender and I've got 10 other folks here that are wanting to buy this property and they've already, already had conversations, they they they've got two or three lenders that they're working with that they are, have identified, at least they have a conversation with, and you haven't even started that, then okay, let's move very quickly. How much money do you have? Well. That's a great question. I'm not sure. Okay. That kind of stuff. So what I'm looking for is a buyer who is locked and loaded and ready to go. I I, I cannot say this enough. Um, Even if you don't have a property identified, go talk to your, you know, an SBA lender, go talk to your local lender, go talk to somebody, get their name, get their number, tell them what you're looking for, give them some of your financial data, you know, have that relationship in a consultant role as a consultant in storage. Sure. I'll spend a bunch of time kind of guiding investment through that. Um, but in this environment, guys, it's like you got to be you got to be locked and loaded and ready to go. And um And I think first, first time investors, that's the best piece of advice I can give. It's just, I don't expect, I mean, I knew nothing when I started this. Um, We all knew nothing, right? But it's really, there's some self-education. I think that's really imprudent because brokers, that's not, they can't, they just, they don't have the time for it. They just can't.
0: That's not your job.
1: Yeah, it's not. And I want to, and because I have some, you know, I've done consulting, it's hard for me not to go into that role. And if I sense that there is a a buyer who um, uh, is, is, you know, really taking the advice and not just trying to get a bunch of free advice. Right. But they're, they're really, they're doing something very proactive. They're very serious. Sure. I'll kick into consulting role. Um, but, um, there's, there's some tire kicking going on right now too. And this, this is the craziest year. Um, you know, but I would say that's the best piece of advice I can give investors is, um, have some of those preemptive conversations first. Um, because what we're seeing is if properties are, you know, fairly well valued, um, and you know, there, there's not a lot of inventory out there. There's just not, um, and you're probably seeing that as well.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've been looking for a while, as you know, um, you know, I I think somewhere, I think I heard once that only 2% of all self-storage facilities turn over every year. You may, you probably know the more exact statistic. Um, I promise I I told you, I I nail you down on statistics. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) have heard that, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It does not surprise me. So yeah, that, that sounds about right.
0: Um, so I want to make sure we've nailed down before, before I let you go. Um, I want to make sure we've nailed down kind of our four values about, you know, you bought that first facility for 750,000, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: you used, uh, you used a HELOC or a, a home equity loan on your property in order to, to fund the down payment. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, we got an SBA loan and, um, they put a, they, they, pulled out equity from our home. And, um, uh, and then, so it was a kind of a patchwork quilt of, um, <laughs> I remember my husband and I were calling every credit card company. We could, think, this is such, such horrible advice. I mean, <laughs> this is like stupid, this is stupid buyer stuff. Okay. Right here. What I did like it just stupid stuff. Like I think we had two credit cards that we found a 0% interest. We just, we didn't have the money and, and we we had to buy this place. And I don't think I should fully share the backstory. I needed an asset that would cash flow for, me so I could pay some of the bills for my daughter who she's nine now, but I had a really big reason for needing some money. Um, and I was convinced that this was how this was going to happen was buying this facility. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how we put it together. Gotcha. Credit cards. Mom an S- and dad. An
0: SBA is typically sometimes you can get into for as low as 10% down, maybe 5% sometimes. Is that correct?
1: Um, I, 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 yeah, 10 to 15%. Um, and that really has to do with both the lender and the qualifications. Um, I, I, I would be more comfortable just saying 15%. I have, I've done 10% deals with yeah. folks. Um, but I think across the board, I think 15 is, if you've set expectations at 15%, I think that's probably more reasonable.
0: When you get into, I, know, I get nervous being over leveraged. Uh, you know, you go below 20% and I start getting nervous. Uh, you go, above, <laughs> you know, go down to 15% now. Um, and that facility, uh, you owned it for about eight years, seven or eight uh,
1: years. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, what is this to that? Yeah. Uh, almost exactly eight years. Yep. Okay. Yep.
0: Um, and how much time would you say once you got it up and running, how much time would you say, uh, it took once it was up?
1: Uh, we, uh, uh, we, 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 we spent about the first year, uh, I want to say about $30,000 in capital improvements. Um, it was 1990s construction. Um, it had a, uh, we, remo- we, 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 we trees got, uh, we had somebody take down trees. We, um, updated the, the, the gate, um, put a security system in, um, over the time that we owned it, we did quite a few updates to that place. Um, it flow very, very well. And that is a situation where, and, you know, a piece of advice I give to to any owners who are on this, you know, and again, across the board and every market's nuanced, but typically, um, you know, consistent rental increases are so important. And I remember my husband and me, I mean, you got to understand guys. I mean, literally we leveraged everything to buy this thing. So every decision was a big deal. And, and so I was like, we gotta raise rents. And he's like, oh no, what if people move out, right? And it's fun now because when I talk to owners, I understand this, I was right there. It's there's it's scary as hell. If you, you got your house on the line that you're living in, you've pulled every credit card you can think of and every decision is scary. But we did that. And so um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was uh uh it was cash flowing very, very, very well. Um it again, we sold it for a little over a million, so it's not like the sale was a huge big chunk, you know, jump. Um, but Um, It was, you know, I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the area, the market, um, that particular part of St. Louis. um, It was kind of flatlining. um, And, um, but in most situations, I I would probably still own it if it wasn't for the the heavy tax burden that I had personally. I just, we could not overcome that, you know, and on that note, this is so important for another piece of advice for buyers, guys, please, if your broker is not spelling this out for you, and really that's the that's the buyer's, um, you know, something, a, a good offering memorandum is written to point to what year one and year two, depending on the assessors, what that tax burn is going to look like. Once again, dumb buyer here back, I, I didn't even know this. Like I, I had no clue. Um, so, you know, now that's the first thing. And I can always tell a savvy investor because that's one of the first questions they ask me, you know, what's the tax rate here? Um, well, I better know that answer because if I don't, then will a lady, why did you put on the pro forma that year two tax assessments going to be what it is right now? That's not true. So that kind of stuff kind of lends credibility, you know, yeah. to, to brokerage as well.
0: Yeah. Well, it's important lesson too, about, um, the things that you cannot change about a facility. You can't change the location. Uh, you can't so change, the, can't change the neighborhood and the location, unfortunately also includes the taxes. You know, you and I have looked, um, you know, you've, you and I have looked together at properties in Illinois, um, where, you know, it's a portfolio and each facility was in its own township and each township deals with property taxes differently. And it's, and, uh, and I, I don't want to get into the details on that one, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that one still hasn't sold because it was just trying to unpack what was going to happen when that sold was all, you know, cause, and you know, you had to call, I think I had to call three or four different tax offices and ask yeah. them what they thought it was going to do. Um, and that's such an important uh, thing to consider. Um, all right. So I want to wrap up here, but I want to ask you one last question before we go. Most self-storage owners that I've interviewed, um, own multiple facilities. You bought one facility and you've now sold it. Why is that?
1: Well, I and I I yeah, I think we've had this conversation before and uh my answer is pretty much the same. Uh first of all, this little gig, storage brokerage, um uh there's <laughs> it, it's it's uh I'll just tell your audience, uh we 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 work hard. Brokers work very hard. Very 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 hard. Um so it's rather time consuming. Um and I will say and I've talked every broker I've talked to this year, every asset class um, uh, working three times as hard and hoping to make the same amount of money. It's just, it's just that. It's just the year. Okay. I would like to buy another facility. Um, and you know, there is a time and a season for everything. Um, I'm kind of keeping my powder dry for right now. Um, and, um, it's funny cause you know, it is a good time to sell. It is a good time to buy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think for me, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the, you know, the right opportunity. So, um, I will say this and, and you know, this buying a facility is a job. It's, it's a, it's a job. It's another job and um so I just uh probably it's not the most sophisticated answer. I just somewhere between three kids and the brokerage and the <laughs> I'm just like yeah I'm not ready for that next job yet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you know, I, I would like to say that I'm a superwoman, but there are human limits
0: here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having to come to grips with my, um, my, uh, my lack of superpowers and more my, and my mortality all in the same year.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, one day at a time it's, it's, um, and, and I do believe Neil and, um, I want to be respectful of the time here. I do believe that, you know, we are living in unsettling times. However, there is opportunity in these times. And I also believe that um, this is a, and this has nothing to do with storage. This is a um, character building time for all of us. And we all have, we all have, you know, a choice. Are you going to be a victim or a victor? Are you going to rise above the circumstances? And how does that apply to storage? It may take you really long to find that deal, but it is out there. And, And I would say to any buyer don't give up um, so it's a great business to be in guys it's a it's you know, when I was a little girl I never would thought I'd love the storage business I mean it's a bunch of doors right but it, it's a great business there's a lot of cool people I cannot wait for our next you know national show um hopefully sometime next year um, ISS and or Ssa they a lot of times they're in Vegas um it's for me I know it's going to feel a little bit like a reunion because there's a lot of vendors that we've stayed in contact obviously this year via phone or whatever, but, um, you know, there's, there's some great people in this business. So if you're not in the business yet, uh, keep striving audience, uh, it, uh, you know, the best is yet to come. Um, and if you are in this business, thank the Lord above that you're in this business. And I know you do because, uh, you know, there's a lot of other asset classes that are really struggling right now.
0: So. Well, Marla Cholich, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was so, it was so wonderful to see your face and, uh, I look forward to the time where we can get together and do this in person, so.
1: Yes, me too, me too. Bless you, Neil.
0: Thank you. Huge if any your family. Of our, uh, before you go, if any of our audience wants to learn more about you and maybe reach out to you, uh, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh, email is awesome. And um, it is marla, M-A-R-L-A dot Cholich, and that's spelled C-O-L-I-C, at marcusmillichap.com. And yeah, audience, email me. I, it'd be kind of kind of fun to to get some feedback from this. So, yep. And my office number is 314-889-2524.
0: Now you're really asking for it. <laughs> I
1: mean. Yeah, now I'm really asking for it.
0: <laughs> All right, Marla, take care. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. God bless. Thanks, Neil. Okay. That was Marla Cholich from Marcus and Millichap and the Williams Storage Group. So wonderful Chatting with her and a very a very different uh, guest than we've had in the past, and I think if you are somebody who's interested in self storage, um, if you are a current owner who wants to know you know what to expect, if you're planning to sell, and if you are a prospective buyer and you want to know what to expe- expect, I think it was such a great episode for that. Um, Marla, uh, as far as how much money it took them to get started, uh, she said uh, they had to put about fifteen percent down on a seven hundred fifty thousand. Dollar property, so I'll do the math in my head there. So 75,000, little, a little over a hundred thousand, uh, maybe a hundred and math in public. I, I can't do this in my head. Sorry, uh, and I don't have Brittany here to uh, to help me. Um, and then she also said they did about thirty thousand dollars in capital improvements. So I'd say a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and that was uh, both money from their credit cards and money from um, a home equity loan on their primary residence. Uh, how much time did it take? We didn't get into specifics, but, um, you know, she called it a job. Uh, and I know that that facility that she bought, I've actually visited it before, um, was, uh, was a a bit of a turnaround. And so, um, that, you know, it storage can be a job you are buying. You're not just buying real estate. You are buying a business and that's something to remember. Um, how did they acquire, uh, their knowledge? She, she got mentorship. Uh, she, uh, and her mentor who is now actually someone she's in business with and Williams was her mentor, um, through Scott Myers, uh, self-storage investing, uh, mentorship. Um, how much time, uh, uh, could they do this strategy from anywhere in the world? Uh, yes. I mean, not really the way that Marla did it. Um, I know that her facility was relatively near where she lived. Um, so it was not something that she really ran long distance. Um, I, I do know that self-storage, it is possible to run self-storage remotely, uh, but you have to really go into it and buy it, um, considering that. Uh oh, I forgot key lesson learned. Again, I need Brittany here with me. Um for me the key lesson learned was to um one talk to you know, if you're a buyer, talk to a lender first. Um this is true whether or not you're trying to do a uh burr property on a single family home or multifamily property, start having conversations with those lenders first uh because you um because they're going to ask you that question. Well, you know, how much money, you know, how much money do you have? Um, Um, And you better have a decent answer for that. And you're not going to know that answer until you start to to talk to a lender. Um, Get three or four of them in your pocket and ask. Just pick up the phone and call them. Um, I've spoken to Live Oak before in Wilmington, North Carolina. They're a great self-storage lender. They're very experienced. Um, Call a lender and talk to them about, um, ask them what their appetite for self-storage is. And if they say, oh, we love self-storage, then ask them how many storage deals they've done in the last 24 months. If the answer is one or two, that's great. You've got appetite for storage, but you don't have a lot of experience with it. Uh, Okay. Once again, that was Marla Cholich from Marcus and Milchap. You can check her out at uh, uh, marla.cholich at marcusmilchap.com. She also left her phone number with show notes. God bless her. And uh, we're doing this all again next week. Let's hit the road. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at roadtofamilyfreedom.com, and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.